Podcasters, it's On the Shelf, the podcast that celebrates all of the young adult novels that we love on our shelves. Presented by the Teen Advisory Board of NC Raleigh's Quail Ridge Books, the home for all of your literary needs. Hey everyone, welcome back to On the Shelf, the young adult book podcast um, where Quail Ridge Books uh, Teen Advisory Board shares all of the books we're enjoying, talks about books, just so much books. So today we're doing things a little bit differently where we are going to be talking about environmentally friendly book publishing because this is March and green is a big theme with St. Patrick's Day and so we are thinking green publishing just kind of like it's a little bit of a stretch but it's also I think environmental month next month or there's I know that we were talking about it there's some connection but it's a perfect time to talk about some environmentally friendly publishing so we did some research and we're going to share what we know about it and then if you guys want to keep the discussion going you guys can reach out on our social medias and all of that fun stuff so we are going to start this episode off as we always do with our on our shelf segment um, where we tell you guys the book um, that we have read or that we're currently reading. Um, and to start us off with that, we have a new tab member with us. Um, so I will hand it off to her. Right. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Caitlin. Um, I am currently reading This Light Between Us by Andrew Fukuda. Um, I just got it about a week ago, and I am loving it so much. Um, it's about World War II and the relationship between two people overseas. So it's a great book. Okay. I'm Taylor. Um, and right now I just started yesterday in the car, uh, Good Omens by Neil Gaiman, which is hilarious. And the whole way up on the mountains, I was just like stopping every three lines and being like, guys, listen to this hilarious line. And my parents were very annoyed, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> that is a hilarious book. Um, I'm Christina, and unfortunately, I've been crazy busy um, for the past couple weeks, so the book I've been most recently reading is my school assigned book, which is All the King's Men by Robert Penn Warren, and it's actually a really good book. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it is really long and very dense, um, as a warning, um, and it also was written in the 1930s. It was written a while ago, so... Um, there are some like kind of like, you know, use of slurs. It's very sexist. It's part of that is the author trying to make a point and being like, this guy is not a good guy, but it also is probably partly influenced by the fact that it was written by um, an older white man in the beginning of the 20th century. Um, he was considered to be more progressive than some people at the time, but you know, that's not saying a lot, knowing a lot about that time. Um, anyway, it is a very good book, though, so I would recommend it with the, with the warning. Very cool. Um, hi, I'm Hanora. So like Christina, I've had about zero free time. So I'm only reading um, the book for school, and I'm reading The Great Gatsby. And it's kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, again, also kind of like what Christina said, it was written in a very different time. So, you know, policy, <laughs> life was different. Uh, but um, 
you know, it's it's decently enjoyable. I'm not as confused as I was when I started it and we're reading it on this like online platform so you can like leave comments and other people will see it and my teacher just like keeps writing out responses to random things very it's yeah it's it's a time anyways <laughs> I'm I'm liking it a bit more than I thought I would but it's still you know written in a different time it's weird <laughs> I actually love The Great Gatsby. It is weird, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I read it last year a few times, but <laughs> it is pretty weird. Um, hey everyone, it's Elise. And right now I am still reading Renegades and I feel like I'll be reading it for a while more um, because it's just kind of a big book. And I've been reading it a lot lately though. So maybe I'll finish it. I think I'm like halfway through um, and I'm on break. So there's hope that I will finish it soon. It's really good so far. Um, and I'm enjoying reading a different genre because I don't really read like fantasy, science fiction type genres often. Um, but I'm excited about it. Is that the Marissa Mayer book? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I know. I'm finally, <laughs> finally reading it. I'm excited. It's pretty good. Jada would be very happy. Yes. I she know. really, I, I mean, I really like Marissa Meyer's books too. Yeah. Okay. So for our episode, we're going to get right into this. I'm going to pull up my notes. Um, we all did some research on environmental publishing, environmentally friendly publishing, um, because it's an interesting thing because um, book publishing is a big has a big impact on the environment. Um, and so as readers, it's it's nice to know about um, the impact of such a fun hobby and kind of how you can support um, more environmentally friendly publishing um, and book selling um, and become a more sustainable reader. So I think it's a super interesting subject and it was really fun to learn more about this and I'm excited to share it um, with you all. Um, and then we can maybe start a discussion on it on our social media. Um, so make sure to reach out to us if you guys have any, any ideas of your own to add to this discussion. I wanted to first start off with just kind of going over the impact that book publishing, the book publishing industry has um, on the environment. And here, some of our tab members here, some of your guys' thoughts on kind of the general impact on book publishing and kind of where the problem, if there is a problem, lies. Um, so I will pass it on to whoever wants to to give it a give it a go. Okay, um, I guess I can start. So <clears throat> the from what I could see, the three main things that book publishing really has an impact on is mainly obviously the trees that are used. I mean that's kind of straightforward with paper, and then um, the carbon dioxide emissions, and then also I heard a lot of people talk about the inks that are like the kind of inks that are used. Yeah. So I have a couple of like little facts or statistics. So in the U.S., um, I found some a website that said that there were 32 million trees per year that are used um, in book publishing, and then also 40 million tons of carbon dioxide. So there are definitely things that are being done to help with that, but um, that was sort of the main 
facts that I found for that. Yeah, um, kind of going off of what Taylor said, especially about the trees. Um, one of the things I saw said that like more than or around 2 billion books are printed every year and this requires about 3 million trees and this and the amount of land needed to grow these 3 million trees is about like 37,000 football fields and that's like 60 square miles doesn't seem like the right amount but basically the amount of space the 30 million trees take up is the size of like Washington DC wow. and that's like every single year and there isn't a lot of like trying to plant those back so lots of deforestation which is not good um yeah yeah, yeah. Like, um I had no idea that um I was looking through some of the um facts about like the printing of books and paper manufacturing is the third largest user of fossil fuels in the world. And I had no idea that that was so high up on the list, but um, I didn't know like how much oil and gas like that would require, um, especially with all the books that are printed every single year. Um, so that's definitely a problem. So I didn't find too much in the way of how publishing is harmful, but I did, I'm so sorry, my family is screaming right now, so I'm gonna mute myself real quick. Sorry about that. Okay, so um, basically what I found is that a lot of publishing companies are acknowledging that publishing does have a really negative impact on um, the environment. So um, I read a lot of them are like making new like green well not new because a lot of them were like 2009 but um like green agreements and like um kind of like i don't want to say declarations but i forgot that policies policies um to be more environmentally friendly and kind of like combat the damage combat the damage that they had done like previously um because they acknowledge that there's a lot of like detrimental effects of their businesses yeah, definitely. When I was looking up stuff, um, I was looking, there was like this study um, and we will link like all of our sources and stuff below for those who are listening, if you want to continue some research and kind of learn more about this topic. Um, but when I was doing some research, uh, I found this study that was showing um, the impact of like the book industry on the environment um, and yeah, they were talking about how, like Caitlin was saying, it's like the third largest industrial greenhouse emitter and how, you know, most of that is um, cutting down trees for, for the paper and kind of, you know, the biggest problem they, they pointed out was um, just, you know, like cutting down the trees and find, you need to find better um, sources for more sustainable, um, paper. Um, but then there's also the ink and there's also a bunch of other steps in that, but, um, that's kind of what I was looking at. Um, okay. So moving on, um, to kind of the bulk of this episode, which is, we wanted to look at what publishers can be doing, um, or what they're already doing. Um, and steps they can take to be more environmentally friendly. So I wanted to hear, um, what everyone's thoughts were 
on that. Okay, so I guess back to me. Uh, I guess we just go in the same order. So um, I sort of researched a lot of different companies, but one of the, or different publishing companies, but one of the main things that I saw was um, changing the fiber that they use from virgin fiber to um, post-consumer recycled fiber. And a lot of them have sort of requirements um, that like every year, at least 60% of the paper they use has to be post-consumer recycled paper or things like that. And then um, a couple of um, publishers have actually worked with environmental organizations to make agreements. And then I think it was the Hatchet Book Group, which I've never heard of, but apparently they're a big publishing company. Um, they created an environmental policy in, uh, to the point where in 2013, up to like 84% of their, the paper that they used was recycled uh, fiber, which I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty impressive. And then um, I know that Scholastic was another one I looked at and they've actually had a harder time with it because I never thought about this, but because they're children's publishers, they have to use more ink and more paper because of all the illustrations. And um, mm -hmm, yeah, it's, but they still uh, have that 60% um, benchmark. So they've managed to cut theirs a lot too. And um, let's see. The other one that I thought was really interesting was that um, the, the eco-friendly inks thing. I thought that was really cool because I, I went and I researched that a little bit farther, uh, further, but um, there are a lot of inks that are actually vegetable-based, which is weird to think about, but it's cool. And I think the main one that's used right now is soy. Um, and like they have different, different particular specific ones are more um, environmentally friendly than others, but soy is kind of the one that people use the most because it tends to work the best. So that's sort of what people tend to use now from what I could find. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, Zoom difficulties. Um, yeah, so the main thing what um, I learned is that the Penguin Random House publishers are determined to go like completely carbon neutral by 2030, which I thought was really interesting. I didn't do like a ton of research into this, but um, basically the entire company is switching to 100% renewable power and like improving energy efficiency. And they're working with partners to reduce emissions from the print and digital supply chains and like finding ways to offset other emissions. So I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, they gave themselves like a large window, but I feel like they can do, especially do it in that large window. Um, yeah, anyways, I think that's really cool. I only had one thing for that topic. You can go, Christina. I'm sorry for talking over you. <laughs> um, so this is actually where most of my research was as well. Um, so one of the things that I researched um, is this company, it's called Chelsea Green. It was founded in 1984. Um, it publishes books about like gardening, homesteading, sustainable economics, and a lot of other like important topics, topics kind of related to the environment. Um, it's won a lot of awards for the work it's done, including Independent Publisher of the Year in 2012. Um, it prints books on 95% recycled paper and is 100% employee owned. Um, 
so I thought I found that company very, very interesting. I also mentioned earlier, there's a lot of companies that have been creating their environmental pol um, environmental like policies to kind of get more green. Um, one of those that I looked into was the Simon and Schuster. Um, it's also been quote unquote, thinking outside the book um, by making its shipping more environmentally friendly using recycled office materials and other practices around the workplace um, to contribute to um, climate activism and stuff like that. Um, because it's not just about the reason it's like outside the book is because it's not just about the actual printing. There's also a lot of other things you can do in the industry and in any business in general to help um, with environmental sustainability, um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, also, the whole recycled paper thing, that's a big one. A lot of people have been kind of turning towards and um, one thing I found that was very emphasized in my research was also using um, collaborating with other with different companies to um, have not just recycled paper for the actual book, but for the cover as well. There's different um, organizations you can work with for that. And then the, the final thing that I saw a lot of publishing companies have been doing is this like um, initiative for like planting a tree for every 100, per, 100 books sold or something like that, that will give back to the environment. Um, even if it's like, because I know it is still difficult to do a lot of the environmentally friendly processes um, required because they can be very expensive. That was part of my research as well. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's so cool that like um, some of the like publishing companies are deciding to like, because um, we were talking about how big a problem it is that so many trees are used for books um, and how they're not getting planted back. Um, like I saw that some publishers work with the Arbor Day Foundation um, so that they can like match goals and plant trees for them. Um, so like for a certain, yeah, like, like you said, for a certain amount of books, um, like they'll match that and plant a certain amount of trees for what they sell. And then I also actually found some, um, I found some more ways that like um, everybody can um, be more eco-friendly with reading um, on their own, I guess. Like um, there was, I think, supporting like public libraries um, and trying to um, use those books to read because I think a lot of um, books, even books that aren't sold, wind up trashed sometimes or just dumped um, every year. Um, so having kind of like a return kind of system for being able to borrow a book and then return it back um, can reduce the amount of books trashed um, every year. That's really interesting. Yeah, and it's interesting to see kind of what the individual can do um, with helping, because it's important that the publishers are, you know, being sustainable, because I think that's where the bulk of um, the impact comes from. But it's also, yeah, interesting um, to think about what, um, the individual can do. And I think with like planting trees um, or shopping more responsibly, that can help a lot. Um, when I was looking at different sites and researching and stuff, um, I was, I saw one st statistic that said like there's about 60%, I think, of publishers um, that have created policies um, for more sustainable book publishing, which was very interesting and cool um, to see. And then most of those policies um, 
we're kind of geared toward um, ensuring more sustainable like paper materials, um, like how we have been talking about how there's more, it's more important to do more like recycled paper um, versus kind of that virgin paper. And then also switching to more sustainable inks like soy and vegetable based inks, um, which can help a lot because I know when I first think about like sustainable publishing, I immediately think of like digital books and just making it all digital. Um, which seems like such a switch from where we're at now, because um, there's so many print books and, you know, we all love like the print books, but it is interesting to see how switching to even just more sustainable materials and like staying in, you know, a certain protected protection of like trees and making sure you're not just, you know, using up resources without thinking about them. Um, also helps and it's not and it's not like you need to make it completely digital um how you can also you know those kind of work together to help things um and then i was also seeing there was the forest stewardship council which i think was an organization um and it would work with it still works with um like book publishers to ensure like proper forest management. Um, and so I was seeing a lot of examples. I think it was the Simon and Schuster um, book publishing that would that like created a policy and included um, that they would need a certificate from Forest Stewardship Council um, to make sure uh, that they when they were taking down trees that they were doing it responsibly. Um, and so that's another option I think um, if you're using that like virgin first use paper um, to just make sure you're doing it responsibly. I feel like there's a lot of different ways that you can go about um, helping and making more sustainable publishing that's not all just switch to digital or just use um, completely different resources. I feel like there's so many steps you can take in order to get there. Um, and then I was also seeing there was like an example in one of the sources that said that Scholastic, um, which was the publisher of the first Harry Potter book, um, when it was publishing all the first Harry Potter books, it like was trying, it like really set a precedent for switching to more recycled paper um, to publish all of those copies of books, um, which was very interesting to see how, because I never, I never had heard about that. So it was switching to more sustainability and stuff. Um, and then I was also seeing um, the Harvard University Press um, was switched to only doing, like having proofs of books and the jacket covers um, to only have those electronically and then just switch to a final copy that's printed um, to reduce the waste of printing out like all these proofs um, instead just doing that electronically, which was interesting. Um, and then I also saw a lot of publishers were becoming or were members of the Green Press Initiative, um, which was an or, or which is an organization um, that helps publishers and investors and authors to become more environmentally conscious um, and just kind of works with them to do that. And I think that's also interesting. There's a lot of things that I think publishers are doing, which is really cool to see. Um, that even though there is like this big issue of book publishing being the third largest um, greenhouse gas emitter, there's also a lot of um, 
a lot of people trying to work and make things better, which I think is cool. Okay, so now that we've kind of gone over steps that publishers can take um, and just taken a look at the big problem um, that is going on with book publishing, environmental friendliness, um, we were going to give some last thoughts and also some TAB members um, had some more things to talk about with environmentalists. So I'm just going to hand it over to them. Um, and we can kind of end this discussion there. Cool, yes. So um, for all of our North Carolina listeners out there, um, for the month of April, Zero Hour North Carolina, the North Carolina, the excuse me, the North Carolina chapter of Zero Hour, which is a nationwide climate organization um, is we are doing a sustainability um, mobilization activity for the month of April. Um, it's this challenge um, to encourage um, teens to participate and um, do take some like self-responsibility to um, take action against climate change and like to help with um, the environment. So it's starting on Sunday, April 4th and um, individuals can sign up through their schools so if you have like an environmental club at your school that would be interested, um, the prize is $50 for the top three like participating clubs. Um, and each individual will get points for their school by participating in activities and posting about it um, on their Instagram or on their story or DMing um, zero hour and C. And I'll send the Instagram like account in the chat so we can have access to that. Um, but basically nothing is mandatory, but everything will help um, for your for your thing. So you don't, if you participate in the challenge, you don't technically have to do anything. You just probably should. Um, so the first week, each week has a different theme. The first week is sustainability and action. The second week is intersectional activism. The third is local environmental service. And then the fourth is dialogue and education. And so basically there is like this agenda of like more specific stuff that breaks down how many points each thing is valued. Um, and you can check that out on the zero hour Instagram, um, but it's going to be really cool. And it's definitely a way that we can take action um, as teenagers, because normally there's not a lot for um, younger people to do because, you know, we might not have as much money. We might not have as much like access to being able to drive somewhere to go for a march or whatever, but this is definitely something you can do during a pandemic from your own house. Um, there's a lot of asynchronous activities if you are busy and you're not able to like go to certain calls or something, but there are also like dialogue webinars and um, a call with a speaker up uh, actually a panel of speakers from NC State that are going to talk about like um, water quality, quality and environmental infrastructure, which is going to be really exciting. Um, just a lot of stuff like that, which is I'm really looking forward to and I hope people are excited about it. Yay. And so if you guys listening are interested in that opportunity, um, I will post the link in the show notes so you can learn more about that. Um, but thanks, Christina, for going over that. That sounds so cool. I like that just sounds amazing. It's great that you do that. Um, it sounds really well organized and everything, especially with COVID. So uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit more. I researched more about how um, specific independent bookstores and also writers are doing things to be sustainable. So 
kind of a more grassroots look kind of going below like the big publishing companies but what individuals are doing so writers i've also i found a lot of information talking about um how writers are trying to submit their queries and their proposals uh, electronically um, rather than with manuscripts like they used to which um i think is sort of similar to what uh someone was saying about the harvard press proofs is sort of similar to that and then also um there's um environmentally friendly laptops is something that a lot of writers are trying to um like get invested in just because most of them write on laptops i mean you can't really write a whole book by hand anymore it's very inefficient so um like for example there's this one website ethicalconsumer.org that provides writers with um uh environmentally sustainable laptops which i thought was cool and then another thing is that a lot of kids authors are part of this um, authors for earth day coalition organization that um, provides these literacy programs in schools, teaching kids about environmental um, uh, and awareness on Earth Day. So I thought that was cool. And then for specific independent bookstores, I found some examples that I thought were pretty cool. So um, there's one place in uh, New Mexico called Page One Books that instead of using print coupons, they use like tokens now that are like, um, so that you're not using the paper and, um, there's one place in Vermont that puts solar cells on the roof. And uh, there's another place, I can't remember. I think it was, oh yes, there's, this is kind of goes into my craft, but I can talk about it in more detail later. But there's a place in Denver called the Book Bar where they made a desk out of recycled books. So I just thought that was so cool. Um, yeah, that was kind of, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some more specific cool examples. Those are really cool. That's very interesting. And then also um, for those listening, um, shopping small is like with from an independent bookstore just in general is a good way to be more sustainable um, because then you're not supporting just like a big corporation um, that has so much carbon emissions that they're polluting the air with. Um, so if you're shopping small, make sure to check out Quaridge Books um, and they're just a great bookstore. And they also have, um, if you don't wanna buy print um, book, they also have um, a thing where you can get an account with a thing called Kobo, um, where you can read digital books. Um, and so that is another environmentally friendly option if you wanna still support um, Quaridge Books and, and shop local, um, that's another option too. Um, okay, so now we can get into um, our craft ideas for reusing old books. Um, since reusing um, paper is a great way to be more environmentally friendly, we thought we would give you guys a few ideas um, for things you can make. So I will hand it off to tab members and we can, I'm excited to see what you guys, what ideas you have. Okay, so I'm not exactly sure how to describe any of this stuff because I did a basic like Pinterest search. Um, so I don't know exactly if I can give out detailed instructions for any of this, but hopefully if people are interested in it, they can just do a simple Google or Pinterest search as well and be able to find some more like step-by-step -step process. Um, so the first thing I kind of looked at was turning what you can, the cool stuff you can do with books so you can turn them into like this cute little garden, like 
guess cut out the center of the pages and like plant stuff in that like on the cover I guess I don't know it looked really cool um and then um turn them into wreaths I've seen that a lot like and also bouquets that's really sweet actually um monograms like just like big letter things um paper lily paper lilies like the book art that's commonly seen where it's like kind of folded in cool ways and then you like paper mache it all together. I, I don't know, I might be saying this completely wrong, but it looks really cool. Um, and then also fridge magnets, which I thought was really interesting. And like these mini villages using like the bookshelf, book covers. Um, and then the other section of crafts that I looked at was um, what you can use to store books and some like unconventional, but pretty cool methods for that. Um, so the first thing I saw was using a ladder, which I thought that was really interesting. Um, it, it, it looked like they had you like building the ladder first because it was like wooden and like in, it looked really interesting but I think you could also just use a ladder and that could be cool um if you're not super into like actually building stuff um I also saw somebody that used a dollhouse as like a bookshelf which is really interesting um and then like there was somebody else that took like old skateboards and like hung them from the wall and then put books on them like a floating shelf um and then like crates or like children's cubbies um would also work well um and those are just some cute ideas that i found quickly yeah almost all the ideas i found were um it was like putting something in a book um so i think christina mentioned this it's like turning books into different kinds of planters I saw one that was like showing how you could turn like some books into like a knife block for your kitchen, which I thought was interesting. But I guess if it was cookbooks, it could kind of it could kind of look cool. But um, and then one that I've seen a lot, generally not as like real books, is like hidden storage. Like some people will have like false books. I've seen like completely fake books turned into hidden storage I guess you could use a real book as hidden storage um and last one I saw a few times was like wallpaper which I think that could be really cool you just need a lot of books <laughs> to be able to do that but if you wanted to do um like a small wall or something and you had um like some old books that you liked, but you didn't really like want to read, you could just like put those on the wall and it could be kind of special. I don't know. Uh, yeah, crafts. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of craft research. Sorry about that. You know, I just kind of had a thought. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I mean, if some of us have the time, we should totally like do Instagram posts where we try a couple of these, like some of the simple ones and put it on the Instagram. Yeah. Now nice. I'm like all inspired by you guys. But anyway, I didn't have a ton. Mine would but, be like um, comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. About that, I, I was like, we should do some of them. But since this isn't a video, they can't see. <laughs> and I'll link this yeah. the, some of the DIYs and the tutorials in the show notes. So if you guys want to try and follow along. That should be how to go. Yeah. <laughs> is kind of off there maybe that's something we should try to do for the part two sort of thing mm. that i saw was on the schedule like along with it that'd be fun yep yeah. yeah. okay <laughs> i don't know 
anyway, I didn't find that many crafts either, but I found um, there was one that I did when I was little that I really, really liked. So in fourth grade, we read um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And for Christmas, she took some old copies of the books she had that were kind of falling apart. And we she cut them out like into the shapes of like little doves. And we made Christmas ornaments where we put like the paper, like we um, like sort of forgot what you call it, but like that, that sort of glue kind of paste thing that you can put, you can sort of like wash over a thing that like paste it on. We did that on some Christmas ornaments. And that was fun. Like it was easy enough that a bunch of fourth graders could do it. So, you know, hopefully if I can't do it now, then that would be very concerning. Uh, it means I've regressed in life. So let's hope that I can still manage that. And um, the other one I found, I mean, this one's probably hard to do at home because it's, you know, takes a lot of books. But the one I told you about in Denver where they um, like made the desk out of books, like any idea like that where you're just taking books and sort of like, using them to assemble something. I think that's so cool. But I mean, I don't have that many books that I'm willing to, you know, glue together. So, you know, most of my books I want to keep. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a cool idea with the Christmas ornaments. I'm like, that's so cool. I've never seen that before. I kind of want to do that now. <laughs> um, the one thing that I found was kind of like, um, I would agree, like most of my books, like I don't want to like glue them together, but someone took a bunch of um, older books that they had and put them together and attached, I guess, with like command strips, like some little hangers. Um, and you can hang like, um, like different kinds of things on them, um, which I thought was kind of cool, because like, I guess that could be like cool for like a mudroom or something, like if you needed to hang up like little bags or something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would want to glue my books together because <laughs> I'd want to like, knowing me, I'd glue one and then I'd want to go revisit it and read it and it would be stuck to the wall. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. That sounds cool. The one I, other idea I had was, or I didn't have, I saw on online, was a like bag or like a little pouch that was made out of like book pages and like they put like gifts or something in it, like a, a gift bag. Or I was even thinking you could put like coffee or do like a little something like that. I don't know. It was pretty interesting. It looked cute. Um, I don't know how hard it would be to make, but that was another idea. Um, okay, so we will end the episode there, but I'll put all of um, links and all of that fun stuff in the show notes if you guys want to check out any ideas you have. Um, and make sure to let us know your thoughts on this topic on our social medias, as that is always linked below. Um, and yes, we will see you all next Sunday on On the Shelf. Bye. 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 <laughs>